With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Mole Season 1, Episode 2 is over and has been for a long time, but I believe Steven is still trapped in the Iron Maiden somewhere in Monaco. Or is it can? Either way, we've got a can-do attitude here as we're talking about the Mole. It's Mole Patrol. Hello, everybody. This is the Mole Rewatch slash First Watch. Spoiler free because I've never seen the show before. Uh, first run for me. Second run for my wonderful co-hosts. First up, it's the amazing Brooklyn Zed. Zed? Uh, nice to see you outside of the helmet. Um, glad that we got to you in time to unlock you onto the podcast. I am happy to be here. Yeah. Uh, up next, we have the wonderful Jessica Lees. And Jess, I just have some questions about why you were running away from the microphone at the start of this thing. I was going to introduce you before Zed, but you were running in the full opposite direction, a full sprint. Just feels like you're really trying to sabotage the order of things here. But you guys told me that I was supposed to meet you on the other stream yard. So I was just going to that uh, one. This isn't sequester. This is <laughs> the mole. This is the mole. There's the one stream yard and that's it. And you don't get to watch it unless you are me, Jess or Zed, because we're the only ones with access to the video. Uh, Thank God. Unless, it's us and the $75,000. That's right. That's right. That's right. Us and the $75,000 patrons uh which is uh money that is being slowly ripped away from the mole crew here on season one of the mole in what can only be described as a disastrous <laughs> hour of tv for the crew zed i didn't know that they were just gonna like blow this thing up they, these guys that's a disaster left and right yeah it's uh it's not it's not going so well is it Overall, so much. Yeah, we could apply that to the mole, to life. Life. There are so many ways in which we can we can parse that out. Uh, We're talking about season one, episode two. It's spoiler free because I've never seen it. You both are keeping the spoilers under lock and key, much like Steven. 
is currently under lock and key. If Three keys. Any, if you've got any <laughs> questions, any feedback, uh, you can send it our way. Mole Patrol at robhaswebsite.com. And I know we are, uh, we are still in the process of working on getting our mole-specific feed ready for you. If it is not ready already, I would expect robhaswebsite.com slash mole patrol will be the way to get there. We gave all the rules last week. Jess, in terms of where to watch this thing, I believe it was on YouTube. Uh, yes, indeed. It was um, It was on the YouTube, and it's not hard to find, guys. You can just go into YouTube we're and search. Are still getting that kind of feedback? People yes. Say, oh, really? Well, we're getting, we're getting two different kinds of feedback Because I have now. everything muted out, so I'm, you, you're both on the front lines of the feedback. We're getting a lot of, where can we watch this? Uh, we're getting a couple of people that didn't realize until this week that this podcast was happening and suggested that somebody do it. Um, and we also get a bunch of people that are like, Hey, if you guys are having trouble watching the mole, here's a link. And then they send a link to the YouTube thing that you can literally get by going to YouTube and typing the mole season one in the search box. But I appreciate anyone who's trying to help in these troubling times, you know, I guess so. I, it's, it's a, it's not, it's not misguided. Is it not the thought that counts in the end? I suppose it's the thought that counts. I do want to shout out the uh, fellow patrons in the patron group who are doing emotional labor. I do not have the energy for <laughs> in, uh, in responding to people who are asking, where do I watch the mole? Because the link is in the show notes, as we said at the beginning yeah. and end of the last episode. If yeah. you're listening to this podcast, the link is in the show notes or Google the mo- well, not Google, but whatever it is. Don't Google ahead. it if you don't you want can to probably Google it, too, and it'll come up. As a YouTube link, yeah, but yeah, it's video tab. I'll yeah. never, I'm never googling the mole until this full journey is done. So I'll Google <laughs> the mole in, in 17 years when I've watched all of the mole. Well, that's a pessimistic look outlook uh, on our journey. I know we talked last week about are we gonna are we gonna do the mole past season one? Uh, and I will say, uh, in in my field of journalism, uh, we often say three is a trend, right? Uh, mm-hmm. We're two episodes deep now. And two just absolute uh, knee slappers of episodes. <laughs> what a what a time here on the mole we were having. Except this one was this like episode. the everybody sucks episode, which was great. Super, super fun to watch everybody just be awful at the mole. So here's the amazing thing. We are two episodes into this. And when I think back, like my dim memories of the mole when it was on the first time, I have three very distinct things that I remember about that kind of are like the iconic mole moments. And we're going to kind of shoot our iconic mole wad, or at least 66% of it this week and next week. (laughs) Yo! (laughs) That's our hashtag. Yeah. So I mean, that is iconic indeed. (laughs) I can't believe... Jess, we're going there. We're going there. So this week we have we have a moment and we'll get to it. That is in my head. It was like, this is what the mole is all about. And then next week we have another moment that's just this is what the mole is all about. And that's two of the three. And the third we don't get to until almost the end of season two. But I can't believe like all of the really great mole stuff is so stacked in the front end of season one. Is it shooting the fake Cartier watch into an exploding cloud of GAC? It is, it is adjacent to that, yes. Okay, okay great, because that was legendary. 
That was that was tremendous. Yes. Is, is it Andy Coops eating a baguette? Yes, it is. <laughs> that is one of my absolute favorite things about this series, period, that I think I referenced in our preview podcast yeah. yep. of, of of Anderson just like around town. Yeah. <laughs> Sipping espresso, eating a baguette, lounging on the stairs, whatever it is, eating maraschino cherries, Mm -hmm. you know, as you do. The best part is he's just got like a mouthful of bread while he's like watching people go by. He's like, and it's it's just fabulous. And it's something Phil Kogan rips this off for Amazing Race in the latter seasons. Yeah. Imitation, the sincerest form of flattery uh, is, is what I hear, which is why all the other mole podcasts should be flattered that we are uh, out here imitating. That's right. Um, no, it was tremendous. Lots of great Andy Coops moments beginning right away, because I think this, this is the first episode that has like what will be, I assume, like the introduction for the for for each episode, which is just like a small army of Andy Coops, <laughs> like with his arms crossed, telling us the rules to the mole on like a full white screen. It's like he's in the Matrix and we're Neo, and he's just like, I don't remember which pill you take, but we've taken one of them, and we're like, <laughs> in, we're this in, is our reality now. This, yeah. No, it's like it's like if we if he was Malkovich and we went into Malkovich's head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Andy Coops, Andy Coops. Uh, so yeah, so we're like deep in Anderson Cooper land. Uh, and there's just, there's, we'll get to him. There's so many incredible Andy Coops moments in this episode. You got a previously on, uh, really the big takeaway from the previously on is, uh, justice for, for, uh, Manuel. Uh, Jim says, I wanted Manuel to win if it wasn't going to be me. And it's like, I don't need to be reminded of Manuel. My heart can't take it. I would rather just forget that he he was there and move on because I'll be sad if I think about him for too long. It's so unfortunate that he died last episode. <laughs> died. He was executed. They execute them. Multiple people were uh, effectively executed in this episode. This is a dangerous episode of television, Zed. You have people being locked away in prison. You yeah, that's pretty people, brutal. People being hunted down in a hedge maze. It's it's stressful. I can't imagine running through a, a maze in the dark, knowing there are two people chasing me. I am a short asthmatic human being. I am not built for running. Yeah, I do not want anyone chasing me under any circumstances. Like, and that's a little too real right now. Also, not not the corn maze part, but just the being chased part. Would you both believe me if I told you that I'm a decent sprinter? Short no. burst, short burst running, fairly fast. Is that a, is that true or false? That would be surprising to me. Now, now, Jess, my my follow up question is true or false. Josh Wigworth believes that he's a pretty fast sprinter. <laughs> okay, I guess fast fast is kind of relative, isn't it? Good in a quick burst, then like past thirty seconds and. Apply that to whatever you want to apply it. That to. is All good right. to know if we are ever chased by a bear. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'll. It's obviously go save yourselves. It's over for me. If we're if we're being chased by bears, I'm done. I'm done. It's over for me. Um. All right. So we begin the episode with the recap that man manual. I can't. I can't say manual. 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 No, there's no world where that's right. I don't care how many people said it on television, including Anderson Cooper, noted journalist and host of this television program. That's not not correct. Yeah. Children are not in my imminent future, but if they were, I think I would go handbook and guide. Handbook (laughs) and guide Wiggler. 
I like it. They, yeah. they go together. So you're planning on having twins. Yes. Yes. Uh, a, a voodoo priest once told Emily that she would have twins. We call our kitty cats the twins. We're hoping that that was the fulfillment of the prophecy. I feel like handbook and guide are better names for cats than humans. They probably are. Uh, handbook and guide are good names for humans if I'm a Scientologist. That's true. Like a froofy Hollywood Scientologist. Yeah. Like ship wheel. This is ship wheel wiggler. <laughs> this is my, this is my daughter brochure. Um, all right. So there's, where, there, where are we going? Where I'm, are we going? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get us back on track, Zed. I apologize. <laughs> All of like the filibustering that you hear on a podcast, Zed can now attest to. It's it's not edited out. We just leave it all in. It all, it all just stays. You just leave it where it lies on the floor. Uh, begins with everybody's like giving some confessionals, and Jim is uh, gonna give us "Bless Me, Camera, for I Have Sinned," which so is good. So very good. very good. I like Jim a lot. He's super super fun. Uh, this is a big Jennifer episode. Jennifer at the the heart of a lot of action here. She and Jim are tight. Uh, she says, Jim is a neat person. Uh, so some shades of uh, Monica Culpepper <laughs> there. Lady. <laughs> yeah. What's best for Jennifer? Uh, so at, at breakfast, uh, where where it's breakfast time, uh, or is it dinner? I think at first Charlie is still saying like I can't eliminate anyone from the from the from the from the running of who's the mole. Jennifer has a camera. Does everybody just like someone get elected to have a camcorder at meals randomly, or were they oh all God. given camcorders? Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like this is a one-time thing. Of I don't remember it ever happening. Jennifer yeah. happens to have a video camera. Ah, it's, it's, just not, it's not a recurring trope. <laughs> well, it I think she been. just like I think she just took it. She's like, "Give me that." I'm gonna. Hey, you, give me that. Yeah. Also, remember this is in the era before GoPros were a big thing, so she's got like a whole a whole ass camera up on her shoulder when she's running around like this. <laughs> yeah, the difference between personal video cameras and professional video cameras were not that huge in size at that That's point true. in time. No, it is a, it, it's a, there's a lot of uh, a lot of fancy camera work here in this episode of the mole. We'll we'll get through it. Um all right, 2:30 in the morning. Shenanigans occur. <laughs> Steven is kidnapped by operatives. Uh, Andy Coops tells us it's, it's, it's nighttime and our operatives are going to work. And we see these dastardly foes, like these people who would just be like, uh, lackeys in an action movie who Schwarzenegger would lay to waste, uh, showing up in ski masks, busting into Steven's room and yanking Steven out of his room. They tie him up and bring him outside. This is stressful. Yeah, in my head, I'm kind of picturing like this could have gone a different way. Like, what is this? Like, what if it's like a Tropic Thunder scenario where he was really kidnapped and everybody just assumes it's part of the show? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. This is dangerous circumstances could occur around the mall. This is this is a treacherous show. Uh, these yeah, I, I assume off camera they were like, okay, like don't freak out. He's not really kidnapped. This is a bit. Now, Zed, I believe that we have reached consensus that the uh, the audience for the Mole Patrol we're referring to as the Mole People. Yes, and that is thanks to my biggest stan on Twitter uh, came up with came up with the name of the Mole People. 
And you're not just humble bragging. You are you are no, uh, literally fact that's, their, yeah. that's their name yeah. on 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 Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. It's, it's, it's remarkable, Zed. You've done two podcast episodes. You growing, already have a stat account. I do have a I have a growing empire. Yeah. Completely not on purpose at all. I'm Watch just out, Mr. Nino. Survive over here. Watch out. Zed's coming. You better be ready. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but I, I say that because like we need to come up with a name for the mole people that are working quote unquote working for us who is that who are these people who are the Andy Coops minions they're like the hench moles yeah the hench moles moles for sure so the hench moles abduct Steven the next morning everyone's at breakfast they're like where is Steven and Jim's like I have to tell you all something (laughs) I'm pretty sure Steven's been kidnapped I heard a ruckus uh, late last night. So at 8.20 a.m. they go looking for Steven. They're like, yeah, Steven's gone. And they get a phone call and it's Andy Coops who is unbelievable here. As Andy Coops is like on a pier, right? He's like, he's on some pier and he says, hope you all got some sleep. You may have noticed Steven is missing. Uh, he tells them you have to find him. They have to use this envelope that's been addressed to Steven to find Andy Coops' location. And then he says, and this is among my favorite lines of television in 2020, even though it's from the early 2000s, I suggest you hurry. Steven is rather uncomfortable. And then we cut to Steven being put into an Iron Maiden. They're locking him up in an Iron Maiden. Yeah. Well, it's not the full Iron Maiden. It's just the helmet, but... It's just And this is, of course, a reference to an actual historical event. Right. Uh, the Jim Caviezel movie. No, no, that's the no, Monte the, Cristo. Yeah, you're thinking of the Leonardo DiCaprio movie. Ah, yes, yes. Uh, Emily Fox has been really imploring me to watch The Man in the Iron Mask recently. Maybe I should watch it uh, before next week's Mole Patrol so I can uh, report back on it. Yeah, what was like the veracity of replicating that experience? Well, we're sure not going to get you to read the book. Mm-hmm. No, definitely not. <laughs> Definitely not. I don't know how to read. We don't. There's no shade when it's that accurate. <laughs> if you make it an audiobook, I'm currently crushing some Stephen have you, King. Have you started Watership Down? Yeah. Yeah. I got five chapters into it, which is about uh, 13 pages or so. <laughs> I'm having trouble. Okay. I read 50 pages of the new Jim Crow yesterday. Wow. Yeah. I read a whole ass book yesterday. Okay, okay. <laughs> I audio read The Stand as an audiobook over the course of about three days last week or two weeks ago. Uh, did you not sleep? Because I feel like The Stand is going to be 36 hours as an audiobook. No, I slept, but I listened to it on double speed. Ah, there you go. Because I listen to podcasts on double speed. Yeah, so, so do I. You know, I, I, I can digest the information that way. And yeah, then I it started... freaks out my parents, by the way. I listen to my podcast on double speed, like yes. without the headphones. And my mom comes in and she's like, why are these people talking so fast? Yes, I was out visiting my family. My brother has been, uh, my brother and his wife have been living with my parents over the last few weeks. Uh, and my brother's favorite book series is the Dark Tower series. So I'm I'm reading it for the first time uh, to to be able to connect with him even more. Uh, and when I was, uh, I crashed on the couch when I went out to visit them and I played for him uh, how I'm listening to the audiobook, and it was on double speed. And he's like, you're a lunatic. <laughs> you're an insane person. I'm like I get, I can process it this way. So Watership Down, if it's a good audiobook, somebody tell me, I'll, I'll, 
I'll read Watership Down. For my I mean, there's a movie of that too. It kind of like the ship has sailed on, no, I, on it's still the Watership Down podcast. I'll tell you what, Down the Hatch is going to have a second book club podcast sooner than uh, Watership Down gets read by me. That's so, not remotely surprising. Are you going to read all of Charles Dickens? Like No, that's the last book I'm ever going to read in my life. Okay. We're way off base. Well, what? We need well, to talk about... We're not doing well at Steven's all. been locked up. Steven's in jail. Steven's been imprisoned. He's got an iron mask on his face. He's rather uncomfortable. It is Under- wild to me that they did that to a person. Yes. Even if they even if they only did it for like the camera shots and not for the actual several hours, it is still crazy to me that they did that to a person. And you have to imagine that the entire kidnapping aspect of it, they must have like gently knocked on his door and like gone into the room and said, Okay, Steven, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna set up the shots, some guys in masks are gonna come get you. Yep. Like, there's no way they yanked him from sleep no, at two thirty in the morning. Unacceptable. I, I want to believe, though. I want to believe in the danger of the mole. So Stephen's been taken hostage by quote unquote some very unsavory characters. While you were having a leisurely breakfast, again, those are the quotes. He was busy getting tied up by us. Uh, so Stephen gets on the phone. He gives them some details. I don't even know why this is in the show. Yeah, I drove for 45 minutes. We went to a toll booth. uh, (laughs) Whatever, man. Stay on track. No one one cares. And like, even Andy Coops, like to add to the drama, like stops this video they're watching early. There was zero useful information uh, in 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 the cute little tiny portable (laughs) DVD player. Wow, what a throwback. What a throwback. That was very nostalgic. That was cutting edge at the time. Like people barely had DVDs back yeah, then. Yeah, explain to the children who are not listening to this podcast, who all have DVD players in their cars now, mm-hmm. that, that that was not a thing. Yeah, you had like a tiny little box. Uh, and it had like a flip screen and you could play little CD, DVD things in it. And it was like the coolest thing. And if you had one, like you were an elite human. Yeah, it point. was like an iPad, except you had to put media into it. Yeah. Remember, remember when you had to put media into things? I frequently think about that, like explaining to someone who is, I don't know, even 15 years old now that when I was their age, a telephone, camera, a music player and like a video player were four separate digital separate devices. devices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm only 30. Yeah. <laughs> a lot's changed. A lot's changed. Uh, it's true. They give the crew 30 seconds to speak with Steven, but I call bullshit uh, because they waste they waste three seconds. The clock starts and they slowly waste three seconds getting the phone to Steven. Steven stumbles 10%. using the phone because he's percent of the time. He's got this horrible mask on his face, so he can't process what's happening. So he's trying to like hold it up. And it's not until the 20 second mark that Jim is able to get a word in edgewise. Uh, so they really only give them 20 seconds for Steven to be like, yeah, I'm on Earth. Is basically the extent of the clues he gives. Like, I'm somewhere on the planet. <laughs> I can it's, see water. There's a mountain. There's terrain. There's some It's hotels. like trying to watch. It's like watching somebody try to phone a friend on who wants to be a millionaire. Oh, God. Yeah. You brought it up. Don't forget. Don't forget. I, I brought it up. I didn't have phone a friend, so <laughs> okay, if good. I had it, we would be having a different conversation. <laughs> would we be talking or would you be big timing us? I'd be big timing you. Yeah, I would I, I would own the podcast network. 
You I like and that Cooper would be best friends. Yes, yes. I like. Are, are you insinuating we're not? No, that's fair. That's totally fair. He's going to be on this podcast any day now. It's, it's He's going to come on the podcast. We're gonna we're gonna get that to happen, especially after he knows that I utter such classy phrases as <laughs> iconic bullwan. <laughs> Again, you brought it up. We didn't bring it up. Disavow. Yeah, I, I, I am introducing some very weird energy to the podcast today. Some things are happening. Meanwhile, at Stevens Prison, which it's officially called according to the Chiron, Stevens Prison. This is where Leonardo DiCaprio was imprisoned with the helmet. Uh, the man in the iron mask died here, says Andy Coops. Hopefully, Stephen will not. Um, <laughs> Because then we wouldn't have a show. (laughs) There's also a sign, I think. There's like a shot of a sign with like prisons and an arrow. Is that right? Sounds right. Multiple ones. What's happening? Text from Emily Fox. Why are you mentioning my husband's name? Sorry, we're talking about Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, the only human on earth, Emily says she will leave me for. Fair enough. He's on the list. He's on the. He's he's the list. He is the he's hall the, pass yeah. list. He's the hall pass. He's I mean, the list. It, it, the, to be fair, the chances of that happening are probably higher than anybody on my list because my list has Anderson Cooper on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, not quite the right tree. Nah, I know. Way. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully, I have nothing else to report on this matter. Uh, moving forward through life. Uh, meanwhile, we got to split everybody up into teams. We've got two hours to find Steven. Uh, we got to split everybody up into rescue vehicles. There's the helicopter, there's the boat, there's the van. Uh, you can call Steven because they have phones in prison. In Steven's prison, they have a phone installed, which is separate <laughs> from the music and DVD players. Uh, and uh, if you call him, though, you lose $5,000. From the prison pot. phone calls are expensive. That right. is real and true now, still today. Add it to the list. I wasn't going to bring politics into a podcast. You are wrong. Yep. Add it to the list of, of shit that is wrong with our criminal justice system. <laughs> That's true, though. Like, like it sounds like a joke because it wouldn't cost five thousand dollars. But but prison phone calls are expensive. DM me if you want to talk about it. I will yell about politics all day, every day. <laughs> How, expensive? How expensive? How expensive? Like it can be dollars on the minute. That's terrible. Yeah. That's yeah. awful. That's awful. That's that's a whole other thing. I will happily talk to you about politics. I will educate you if you need educating about whatever the thing is. Slide into those DMs. Right Hard rock. Slide into the DMs. I was informed my DMs were closed. Of course they were. My security <laughs> on all of my everything is very high. I am yeah. very paranoid about the government. It's yes. not paranoia, it's real. Yes. Uh my DMs are now open. If DMs you want to talk to me about about nonsense going on in our government and our prison industrial complex. I am here to talk about those things. Anyway, we have fake locked up a human being in, a real <laughs> prison in Monaco 20 years ago. It's, it it is not even freaking Monaco. I have yeah. a question. I have a question. Right. Yeah. So when Steven says they put an iron mask on me, <laughs> why didn't any of these yahoos register? And I, granted, this is before you Googled every single thing as it came up. But I really feel like somebody should have been like, huh, I saw that movie or I read that book. And maybe he's in that place. 
Yeah, no, no Leo DeCap stands among the mole cast. I, I assume. I mean, when I think the movie, movie come out? it was not out yet. Oh, I think. You sure about that? All right, the man I, um, in the iron. No, you're wrong. The man in the iron. Oh, Mask, 1998. Okay, I so feel, they could I feel like it. it had to be like a relatively recent, like. And I feel like the odds are, are relatively high that you know that because isn't there not one but two Leo DeCaps in the Man in the Iron Mask? Well, one of them is in the Iron Mask, and one yeah. of them is the King. Is that a um, spoiler? Did we just spoil it? No, I don't think so. Um, okay. I feel like this is because this is also like based on history, and you can't spoil mm. history. You um, can if you don't know <laughs> history, right? <laughs> right. I guess, but yeah. if you the don't know the history spoilers, right? The one thing that I was doing, like, as I was ferociously Googling to see if, like, this was a plausible thing somebody could have done at the time, is I realized that the man in the iron mask wasn't just in one prison. So, like, he died in the one in in Cannes, but he was in the Bastille, for instance, and he was in a bunch of other places. So it's like, I guess you wouldn't necessarily be able to say, okay, he's in the prison where he was. We should have put that in the disclaimer at the end of the episode that they lied to us about uh, uh they lie to us all the time it's television yeah, yeah um all right so three teams jennifer and henry and the helicopter team they get to the chapa uh jennifer does not want to be in there she's demanding that we land according to henry because uh, she is airsick uh there's the boat squad kate wendy and charlie are rocking the boat and then in the van it's afi Catherine, and jim uh and uh shenanigans ensue uh, well, have- I already call shenanigans. Yeah, and maybe this is this is something I think maybe if I were the mole, I would be angling to have these things happen. That's not a spoiler comment, by the yeah, way. Yeah, sure, sure. This is just something I was thinking about, like vis a vis. If I was ever the mole, why wasn't Jim on the helicopter? He's a pilot, right? Correct. That's question number one. Question number two: Why are we putting Jen and Henry together when they already hate each other? That's right. And they've had conflict. So they've already it, had conflict, and they're going to have more. Do we think that these are producer decisions, or were these uh, were these choices left in the hands of the players? I think they have to decide right. because I mean they have later on they have like in the maze challenge they have to decide who's going to be in which group. Right. Right. Yeah, they're they're usually better about showing you. Okay, I need you to divide into three teams. This, yeah. this, and this. And this is the deliberation process. Even yeah. if it's even if it's kind of like hidden what what the reality of those teams mean it's like you know you need a smart and a dumb team or you need a team that with good eyes and the team with whatever right um really no qualifications to the splits yeah yeah uh yeah jennifer and henry being together is odd uh that that doesn't track for me and then afi catherine and jim i guess they are a well-oiled machine based on on last week and that just sort of leaves Kate and Wendy and Charlie to be on the boat. Uh, and they don't have much of a working relationship, especially because Wendy and Charlie have kind of this odd relationship. So it's going to take them a long time to figure out. We've got a restaurant menu that might mean something. Uh, they burn $5,000 on calling Stephen <laughs> in prison. Say, hey, can you hear a helicopter? He's like, I can't hear you because of the helicopter, uh, which is a <laughs> great moment. Um but no, they're not quite on it. They're trying to find him. Afi and Catherine split up from Jim. Jim takes the Scoob mobile to I don't know where. Uh, and then Henry calls everybody, be like, hey, we got to land. Jennifer's going to throw up on the helicopter. 
And Jennifer's like, I'm not going to do that. Why are you saying that I'm demanding that we leave? <laughs> yeah. Lots of infighting still between Henry and Jennifer. This is just the, the start of it in this episode. Yeah. And the conversations they have are like, one of them will say something totally reasonable and the other one will just like blow it up out of, out into everything. And it's happened a couple of different times with both of them doing that where one of them's like, well, I think we should go that way. And it's like, how dare you say that I'm insinuating that we should not go that way. And they just like, they hate each other on sight. The search for the mole will resume after a quick word from our sponsors. And now we're back to resume the patrol. They have 42 minutes left on the clock when they realize that they all have this shared brochure. Uh, the future, my future child. Uh, they have, they have a brochure for a restaurant that is in the city of Khan. Uh, and so we got 42 minutes to rush to Khan, which is 30 minutes away. And at this point, if it was Jack Bauer, I would believe this was solvable. Because this is reality, I, I at this point believe that Stephen is going to remain in the Iron Mask for the rest of his days. Uh, so they go off and they race. And like all of the particulars are very, very specific of like, all right, well, here's what's going to have to happen. The car crew and the boat crew, you guys have to get together. You've got three vehicles. You have three keys. You all have to be on the island at the same time. I think at this point, there's like 13 minutes left on the clock. It's like, there's no way they're going to organize in, in order to do this. Steven's done. I love that they're running around the fort screaming, Steve, Steve. It's like a huge <laughs> fort. And how are they supposed to, like, how is he supposed to hear them? Yeah. In his iron mask. <laughs> there's multiple prisons. <laughs> and the multiple prisons. Do we, should I invest in a wombat's mask? Foiled by the prison industrial complex. Sorry, I can't. No. <laughs> Be yourself. Yep. Apologize for nothing. For. I am unapologetic about who I you're, am. You are not I, on a you are not on a podcast with anyone who disagrees with you. So you're good. I know, and I appreciate that. You're good. You're in you're in good company. Uh they get there and Steve is like, please help me. Here's my stupid green flag. I am wait, here. Wait, wait, wait. I have watched this clip so many times <laughs> because I watched the video, like I watched this episode when I watched several episodes when we were talking about doing this podcast. I watched this episode several days ago in yeah. anticipation of this podcast, and then I watched it again today because my brain is not functioning and I was trying to remember anything about what happened. Yeah. Uh, I have paused and like, like frame by frame tried to see this flag that they're ostensibly showing us in this shot from the helicopter. It is not there. I don't know what they're looking at or what they're showing us. I mean, maybe from the helicopter, they saw the flag, but what they're showing us on the video, there is no flag there. I don't know what they're seeing. I don't know where they are or what they're looking at. But I have tried really hard to yeah. put this flag waving out a window, and I don't believe it. Some movie, ma uh, movie making magic, some trickery. They should have added that in the disclaimer as well. Well, Stephen was in one room that was ocean facing, and then when they found him, we snuck him into a different room. This team got close enough, so we were like, "Yeah, you're basically here." Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I don't know. Um, he's got the mask. He's waving it. Everybody starts to get close to showing up. Jennifer and Henry are there first. And Jennifer says, I'm going to intercept everybody. And she runs, she runs to the heliport or she runs to the dock. Either way, she runs to the wrong place. 
To the heliport, I think. Yeah, she went to the wrong place. Because the boat, because the van is now in the boat. The van team is in the boat, and the boat is going to go to the dock. The heliport yes. went to the heliport because it's a the heliport. The helicopter. <laughs> yes. I'm tired. The helicopter went to the heliport, and they need to meet yes. the boat, which has both the boat team and the van team. But Jen goes back to where they docked the helicopter, yes. not where the boat was going to land. Yeah, and Henry's like, she's landing the wrong way. Did I say something? Should I told her that she's not going in the right direction? Henry doesn't say anything! I don't understand why he kept the radio. He's in the right place. He is like the one person who doesn't need the radio. If you're sending somebody else out by themselves with no cell phone, Zoomers, no yep. cell phone. None. None. There's no other way of contact. Even, even the old-fashioned way, Zed, of bellowing doesn't work. Can't even successfully <laughs> bellow for Jennifer. It's true. Everyone starts screaming, Jen, where are you? As poor Jim has like run like a, he's, he's run almost as fast as I could have run uphill to, to get to Henry. He's got the key uh, and everyone's sweating bullets and Jen is nowhere. And then poor Jen shows up like four and a half minutes late. She's like, I'm back. All right, let's do this. We got this. We're like, yeah, we failed five minutes ago. Test failed is what it says when you screw up on the mole, apparently. There goes $50,000 down the drain. I will say this is something that Anderson is not very good at. Yeah. is He's really good when he's making fun of people. But when he legitimately has to pretend he is disappointed in them for Mm -hmm. failing at a task, he can't do it. (laughs) Like He's good at celebrating with them. He's good at at making fun of them for being stupid. Mm -hmm. But if he has to if if he has to be like, yes, we took a bunch of money out of the pot because you broke these rules, and he has to be serious about it, he he's very wooden when he he's does like that. in the giggle fit almost from almost he's like yeah. he's like two seconds from the giggle fit because he just wants to be like, yeah, you guys suck. There's a lot of uh, animosity between Henry and Jennifer here in this moment. Uh, they're just like uh, Jen is like defending herself. She's like, I took the shortcut, and Henry's like, oh, it's interesting that you. Uh, you know this island so well that you know which shortcuts to take. She's like, yeah, it's called being observant, guy. I was observing <laughs> the roots. And they're just, they're fighting as Henry is just like literally sitting on his tower looking down at, at Jennifer there uh, and all of this. And everybody else is just so tired and bummed from losing. And Steven is just sick to death of being in the stupid iron <laughs> mask. Can I, can I get out? Can I inter- just interject one point? Get me out of here. Let me out. Yeah, you already failed. Yeah, we lost. You don't need to yell at each other about I it. my part. So I'm pretty sure Steven's the mole and a telepath and that he <laughs> used his telepathic powers to sabotage everybody uh, and they were just empowered, those powers, uh, by the existence of the, the Iron Mask. No so why was why was Steven the person they picked to kidnap? Is it because he's a cop and he'd be too good at this? Well, I actually did have a question and only answered if you think it's it's safe to answer. Um, I'll see if I can if I can phrase the observation in a way that isn't a question so that you can just respond however you'd like. Uh, and the observation was, I wonder if if the if the what's the mechanism for picking somebody for a situation like this on behalf of the show? 
um, where do they literally like pick a name out of a hat or can they pick someone with agency? So like would production be incentivized to pick the mole to like yank out of the ecosystem for a little while and just watch everybody else self-destruct while the unstable element is actually stabilized somewhere else? Or also, is it possible? I know that you said Andy Coops doesn't know who the mole is. Obviously, somebody in the ABC universe knows who the mole is. But do like the camera people, do some of the producers, do some of these decision makers on the ground, do they not know who the mole is? And so they may have picked Stephen, who could be the mole, uh, without knowing that he's the mole. So these are some of the things that I was thinking about uh, during during all of the, the it's, hijinks. It's a good thought, Josh. And I will say that there are many challenges coming up where one person is singled out to play a role and separated from the rest of the group. And it happens many times. And it's usually it's a different person every time. Okay. So the, there are many, I think it's a mechanism of the game to split people into smaller groups for almost everything they do. Yeah. And I think in this one instance, it feels like maybe the choice was a little bit more production thinking about, well, who is going to be the biggest asset here and can we remove them to make the challenge the harder? Or operative. Yeah. Right. Right. So I think, and I think that I'm going to say everybody on the production team knows who the mole is. The cameramen probably don't necessarily. Okay. Um, I also want to bring up from our feedback while we're talking about this, uh, Monica McGee, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It's spelled weird. Um, had asked us, uh, actually asked in the Facebook group. And I was like, please send this in an email. Cause I will not remember. Yeah. Um, does the mole get information about the challenges ahead of time? And can he or she, I would say, can they, yeah. um, can they plan how to sabotage it? And the answer in most instances is yes. I think that the mole is working directly with production frequently has ahead of time knowledge of what the challenge is going to be or knows at least what would be the ideal position to be in or what team to be on in a challenge to best sabotage but they're not necessarily automatically put on that team or put in that position it definitely involves them using their social skills and their social game to say i would like to do this thing in whatever means best places them in that position just does that sound right to you i think that sounds right i i do think but I do think I don't think the mole necessarily gets a ton of information ahead of time. I think that's just kind of up to them. They're given what they have. Occasionally production slips in something, but usually they're just kind of in the moment and it's up to them to decide how they're going to screw up. OK. All right. So TBD on why Stephen was picked. Uh, but Stephen did his job. Everybody else screwed up. Stephen dutifully wore that iron mask and just chilled for a full day in it. <laughs> What a tough gig. That's they must have let him take it off when the camera was not on him. I I don't want to believe that that's true. I think they took 10 minutes. And he had the I mask know. on and they're like, OK, OK, now, Steve, now act stressed out. OK, yeah. OK, Steve, lay now, down on the cot. Yeah. yeah. Now pace back and forth and say, why are why are they taking so long? <laughs> that must have been a great day of shooting. And uh, how do we even know that, Steve? 
Yeah, yeah. Like he's like back in the at the, at the craft services. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stunt double for sure. Uh, all right, so they failed. Test failed. First, uh, first of two test failures this week. Uh, so test failed. Uh, Andy Coops the next day is going to come to them. They've got uh, two other assignments. Um, they don't know that they've got two tests. All they know is they need to divide up into three crews: the leaders, the followers, and the eyes. Who's got the good eyes? Who's good at leading? Who's good at following? And who's got great vision? I should not be part of that crew if it were me. Um, but I, I think that that would have been misleading because uh, maybe I would have been decent at discerning which Cartier watch is real and which one is phony. As a big Cartier watch stan, <laughs> I feel like this was the reality TV show competition made specifically for me. This was very Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. If you looked at the two watches, you'd just pick the humbler looking grail and that's mm-hmm. the real one. Yeah. Right now in Animal Crossing, which is the game I'm obsessively <laughs> playing in order to maintain some semblance of uh, mental health, uh, which is slow going these days, uh, you have a, a, a fox, a humanoid fox named Red who shows up to your island once a week with a boat filled with art. You can buy only one piece of art from the boat. There are no refunds. And of the four items for sale, only one of them is authentic. Only one of them is the genuine article. Uh, and the, the ways that you tell the art is real or fake, very, 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 very impossible, subtle distinctions between uh, the, the fake art and the real art. So it's very challenging. This is a hard challenge is what I'm trying to express. Also that I'm playing Animal Crossing, and if you'd like to come visit my island, let me know. My island is a sequel to Lost. That's very on-brand, John. It's very good. I'm really proud of it. I've put a lot of effort into it. I hope you enjoy it if you, if you, if you choose to, to come check out my island. All right, so they have to determine one watch is real, one watch is fake. If you're right, uh, if you pick the right watch, then you're going to earn $20,000. Uh, if you're wrong, you will lose $20,000 from your pot. Not only that, we're going to destroy the watch that you choose. And not only that, we're going to snipe it from a distance. We're going to set up a shooter from across the way who's going to literally take a hit out on one of these poor watches. It's amazing. Yeah, and that one is, and that watch is full of gack. It's full of gack. <laughs> Mark Summers is somewhere being like, hey, that's our gig. So that's could good. you tell which watch is real by like holding it up to your ear and shaking it? And the one yeah. that goes, woo, 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 that's yeah. the fake one. I don't know. This is, this is one of those challenges that like, I'm, I'm glad for all of like the interpersonal dynamics and the fact that like some fun stuff happens where uh, like they, they go into town. Anderson Cooper is just <laughs> this is the best this is iconic he's just like he's just hanging out just posing you know eating baguettes it seems like he ate like half a dozen baguettes in the time that this was shot like there's one point where he's definitely eating like a Danish like, he's got some <laughs> sort of like filled baked good in addition to the baguette that he is eating uh, and he's just trolling everybody because it's it's Henry, Catherine, and Kate in this in this group, and he keeps trolling them. And Catherine's like, "Stop eating that baguette in front of us, okay?" <laughs> like she hits him at one point, which I appreciated. Um, but this is this is why this challenge works. Like the challenge itself is fine. Uh, like there's really no way for us to play along because we don't have like enough of like a steady look at the watch. 
So I think you're really just like studying them for like character building stuff. Or at least that's that's how how I felt um, watching this one. Um, but Andy Cooper with the baguette, unbegettable. Yeah, I would agree. The last watch I owned, I think, cost something like $15 from Forever 21. So mm-hmm. I am not much of an expert on uh, fancy, expensive watches or why they are fancy or expensive. Um, I, had a, I had one of those like, uh, like, uh, those like huge, I forget what they were called, G-Shocks? Were they a G-Shock watch back in the day when I was a youngin? They were like gigantic. It was like, it was like the size of a golf ball on your wrist. Okay. I looked very, very cool. I'm, I'm sure it was cool it's, at the time. It's important to point out that I was a very cool child uh, at the forefront of all fashion frontiers. Yeah. Put that right on the believable <laughs> fact list. Does Josh Wiggler believe this to be true? Did, yeah. Did you also wear like really, really wide leg jeans? Yes. Is that the era? Of course. Don't hate on Jenko jeans. <laughs> there was a period of time, it's called ninth grade, where every day, every single day, no matter what else I was wearing, I had to have a sleeveless uh, fleece vest on. <laughs> yeah, I had a black sleeveless fleece vest on my t-shirts, on a button-down shirt, on a sweatshirt. It didn't matter. At a sleepless fleece vest. Okay, you we're know, only they, a few years apart in age. There was no point in time when we were in middle or high school where that was cool. See, we have the perfect age distribution on this podcast because I'm five years older than Josh, mm-hmm. who is five years older than Zed. Yeah. So every pop culture <laughs> reference we have is completely Covered. incomprehensible to everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sound off. Mole Patrol at robiswebsite.com if you too wore a fleece vest every single day in ninth great um they have to find someone to translate for them they find this they come up to the first guy who's like who like is like yeah i speak english and then they explain to him what they're trying to do we're playing a game it's a very fun game and then the guy's like no habla english (laughs) shuts down completely uh but he clearly understood everything he's like i'm not getting involved that's very very french yes 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 that's a very french thing to do no hablo english is a very french thing to say (laughs) uh and uh they finally get one guy who who like they yoink away from his uh his midday feast of uh i didn't see any shrimp cocktail on that table so it must have been a pretty uh low-end restaurant um, and he helps them find a place that knows a place that has a Cartier watch. Uh, and they go and like, there's also this thing. So Charlie's in town, right? Like Charlie's just like, isn't there like a scene where Charlie's like sneaking around and looking at a van? Oh yeah. He sneaks into the production van. What's he doing? Trying to get a granola bar. What is this? Survival and I love that they show this. This is yeah. fantastic. And then they show production yelling at him. Yeah, they don't like. Well, it's it. an Anderson voiceover, right? Being mm-hmm. like, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Yeah, yeah this is Charlie stealing fizzy lifting drinks. Now they're going to be <laughs> washed and sterilized, and he gets nothing. Yeah, Joe. Yeah. Uh, so they find Anderson Cooper, and it, there is this incredible shot that is just like going up the stairs as Anderson Cooper is sitting there, double watches, double. nothing cooler. If if wearing one Cartier watch is cool. <laughs> Imagine two. You can well, only pull that off your Andy Coops. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter. Like if you've got if you've got two, 
Uh, I think even if it's one real and one fake, that's got to be cooler than just the one real Cartier watch. There was a time in the 80s when people would wear multiple watches on their wrist, you know, like going been, up the arm. It's true. It would have been great if uh, he like got up to be like, all right, so which watches? Oh, and he like trips over his own baguette and falls and like <laughs> his watch cracks on the ground and there's gas Oh, everywhere. no! Uh, they point that one. Uh, so they, they pick the watch. Uh, and this is when Anderson Cooper informs that, okay, sweet. So we're going to go to a shooting range. We're going to hang both of these watches onto targets and our, uh, the sniper on our team, uh, is going to put a bullet. His word. He's going to put a bullet in them. This is over the line. This is just too grand. We had feedback from John Krause who said, considering that this show aired pre 9-11, it's really weirdly violent. We have executions, kidnappings, fake torture, people sniping watches and making them explode and more. And like, I was going to say, at least it's it's green gack that explodes. But if they had gotten the wrong watch, it would have exploded into a, a bloody hail of mist. It would have yeah. been like very visceral and gory. It's all so brutal that there's no... There's no like neutral box, right? <laughs> Either you earn $20,000 or you lose $20,000. You can't just be like, we don't know. We abstain. Leave both of the watches alone. We like them both. They're both beautiful pieces of jewelry that tell time functionally. Branding is all an option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mistakes are high. Yeah. You get it right or, or, Either way, these, either way, one of these watches is going to die, and they choose. They choose. I, I don't want to say they chose the right watch because I feel bad for this poor watch that explodes into a huge uh, spray of green gack. But at least they get twenty thousand dollars. So they're slightly mitigating the faux pas uh, in the search for uh, Stephen and his <laughs> his iron mask. I actually, I did think of a neutral box option here. You get twenty thousand dollars in the pot, or one of you keeps the watch. That's great. Yeah. That's great. But it, it's uh, the the watch is uh, you don't you don't know it's filled with gack. So someday you will trip over a baguette <laughs> and and pay the price. That's really funny to me. Yeah. <laughs> Later that night, there's it's dinner time. Wendy and Afi are tight. They're both singing songs. Is she the mole? And that's great. And that's wonderful. And it's sad that this friendship is short lived on the show. But these are the two who are like super best friends in real life. Is that right? No, it's uh, Wendy and Jen who ended up being, okay. going into business together. Afi is, so is the one who uh, shows up on Grey's Anatomy. Yes. yes. Okay. Okay. So it ends well for Afi. Um, I liked this moment. It was cute. But then I was like, oh, this is emotional content. Someone's in danger. <laughs> One of these two yep. people is in danger. Um, all right. The leaders and the followers meet Anderson Cooper in this clandestine way. Uh, it is this shadowy, empty stretch of road in the middle of nowhere, otherwise known as the French cornfields. Uh, it's, the, it's midnight in the French cornfields, which sounds like uh, a uh, investigative journalist podcast that we should start. Or a magic treehouse book. <laughs> yes. The French cornfields. And the challenge is this. So the leaders are going to have access 
to this sort of strange, like bird's eye view of a hedge maze. And the followers are going to go through the hedge maze based on the leader's discretion. Here's the catch. There are temple guards. The, there it's are t- very Legends of the Hidden Temple. <laughs> very, are we all here together on Legends of the Hidden Temple? I, I was too old for Legends of the Hidden Temple, okay. Okay. but I know what you're talking about. There's, there's, uh, with your guide, Kirk Fogg. Uh, so there's the there's the there's two guards per maze, uh, hench moles, and. Um, this goes poorly for everyone. I feel like it's nearly impossible, right? Well, I mean, statistically, it's proven to be impossible. But the fact that there are two of them and only one of you makes me feel like if you're not a good runner, it doesn't matter if your guide is leading you the right way. They can hear you through the hedges as testified by, I can't remember who, maybe Jen? Um all they got to do is keep running till they find you. Yeah. It's terrifying. This is a real horror movie challenge. Yeah, it's scary. This is well, scarier than the Blair Witch Project challenge they did in I Borneo. Was, I was about to say, you can tell what year this was made because there's so many nods to the Blair Witch Project. Yes. Like, even the confessionals they're doing are like they're sitting alone in the dark with the camera very tight on their face. Like, they're about to say, I'm so frightened. Um, <laughs> I'm and so then, scared. Yeah, and then having the having like the first person camera where they're running and looking very terrified. This is also very Blair Witch, and I feel like that aesthetic informed so much reality TV in those first couple of years of the reality TV boom. Yeah, Blair Witch was uh, very influential in, in many mm-hmm. many ways. I think its influence on reality television should not be overlooked because uh, this is very much. Uh, of a piece with the the found footage horror genre. Mm-hmm. Um, there is not a ton of drama here because you do get to see the bird's eye views of the maze. And in every instance, it's fairly clear that the red circles are going to overtake the green circle. It's like unless Jennifer suddenly finds like the Rocketeer's backpack, she's done. Yeah, you would have to be able to run so fast that you could run around that little like backwards L shape towards the beginning and like draw both of the chasers towards you and then run around that and get out. And that's if everything else goes according to plan. I have no idea if I can't hear you, there's interference. I can't hear what you're saying is, is real or not. Yeah. I had that question as well. Um, Like are, are they deliberately screwing up the, uh the, the the broadcast quality uh is that uh is that real is that faked is it somehow uh a mistake they didn't test run this properly uh they do say at the end in the in the disclaimer there were some technical difficulties game sequences were edited for time and due to technical difficulties time was added to one test and an additional trial was allowed but not shown in another test. This feels like the one where that would have happened. Yeah, the additional trial has to have been that one because how do you additionally trial the watches? Or- <laughs> Get us another GAC watch. Yeah, a second person was put into a steel mask. <laughs> we and thrown the in jail. whole day in a different place. Yeah, so it's definitely in uh, here. Yeah. yeah, it just feels impossible to me because even if the mole is in one of those teams. All three teams completely failed. Yeah. It wasn't even close. No. 
No, it was a disaster. <laughs> it, was, it was very, very fun to watch. Poor Charlie at first, who was the first to just get taken out. I was like, this is bad. Uh, my like heart was kind of pounding when like it gets into like, the weird slow-mo. And then like the whole screen goes red. Yeah, it's like, you died. Very Resident <laughs> Evil. Yeah, um, it's very dramatic. They all lose. Another test failed. Uh, not a great track record for the gang so far. So what what's what what do they have in the pot at this point? I wish that they would refresh us on the on the show. They got everything last week except they lost 10k. Is that right? Because of the the penalty. Yeah, for, yeah. I feel like it's Gosh. over a hundred thousand dollars already. And I will say I've been rewatching other seasons as a distraction from my actual life. Yeah. Um, and I've been rewatching a season where. Things are a train wreck pretty early, pretty consistently, but pretty early. Oh, ABC. <laughs> Somebody asks, a contestant asks, is it possible that at the end of this, we owe you money? <laughs> like, that's what totally they're doing. After two episodes, they have something like, I don't know, thirty or $40,000. Yeah. They have so, not done well. So, Josh, don't go here, but on Wikipedia, they do keep a running tally of what the pot right. is. And at the end of episode oh, two... The pot stands at one hundred thirty-five thousand dollars. And what, so they was, did, what was it they, in episode one? In episode one, it was one hundred fifteen thousand. Great. So they made they, a whole twenty grand. Yep. On the watch, Thanks, Cartier. <laughs> yeah, it was purely watches. Weirdest product placement ever. Yeah. All right. So they all fail the the hedge maze. Uh, you always think that oh man, going in a hedge maze must be fun. That's that looks cool. No. Not if people are chasing you. No, it's not bad. It's not good. Not it's, good. But yeah, that's good. part of the like mystery, danger, espionage aesthetic of the whole show. Is like it's so cheesy. Are out to get you. It's so cheesy and so extremely my shit. Uh, yeah, because you are committed to the bit. Yes, and yes, this show is the yes. definition. It's great. Of committed to the bit. It's mm-hmm. great. It's great. Uh, I was upset. They so after they fail the test, they have dinner and they uh, are not eating shrimp cocktail and maraschino cherries. <laughs> and, I, and I didn't see any Andy's mints. They have like potato cakes and duck breast, which I guess looks fine. Latkes. Uh, they, they were. They were like. They were. If they were latkes, they were like somewhere between laka and. Uh, what is like, the potato cake? It's like a croquette. Like, yeah, well, no, it was okay. like it was sort of like a it was like a mound of like mashed potato that looked lightly griddled. So sort of like a giant tater tot. Listen, friends, I'm on the Top Chef podcast. Listen, I am a Jewish person who has lived in Spain, so yeah. I understand what a latka is, and I understand what a croqueta is. Yeah, I don't understand. Well, let me see if I can pull it back up. Um, <laughs> I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure it's like this weird, like it's like this like fat potato cake. Um, Josh, are we are we doing a crunchy mouse down spinoff now where we have to eat something um, was on the show? Yeah, I'm pretty here for doing a crunchy mouth sounds of uh potato cakes from the mole. Um, <laughs> they're 18 years old, Josh. Well, no, I would like to imitate the uh, so I I did send us down a whole separate rabbit hole of Israeli snacks as yeah. crunchy oh, that's they're true. not crunchy mouth. That's true. All right, hold on. I'm pulling up the scene where they're all going to be sitting down to dinner in just a moment. Right now, they're all wallowing. Okay, we're back to Chateau de Roche. Good. They've gone back to the Chateau. All right, they've got little dinner rolls. 
And then they have a, a, a thing of duck breast, some red wine. Slow down, everybody. I need to see the potato cakes. I swear they were they exist. Uh, this is a Mandela the, effect. BS. The potato, the potato cakes may have just Wild. been of my imagination. I do think they are just. Done. That, I just don't understand what that means. Wild I understand a lot of potato. different forms of potato <laughs> foods, especially I. I'm also from the Midwest, mm-hmm. so so <laughs> I. All you eat is so potatoes. Broad. If potato cake, if potato cake potato. isn't real, it's not a thing, and we should make it. Well, here's a thing that people do sometimes, like potato cake. No, text me if there are such things as potato cakes, pancakes. You see people do this on on Iron Chef all the time, where you have like a semi soft potato thing, and you put it inside like a ramekin or something, and then upend it so it's in a little cylinder. Could that be what you saw, Josh? Emily says, "I can't hear you. You must type." Okay, let me type. Here we go. You're we're ready? really, we're really committed to this bit. Yeah. Well, this is a- that's Josh's middle name for my cakes. bit. On, on are yeah. they real? Joshua committed to the bit, Wiggler. Real. Exactly. Oh, she did hear me because she says, "Are there potato cakes?" It's like, yeah, no, it is exactly what I said. There are potato pancakes. Yes, of course. Oh yeah. So she's saying like a lock. All right. So the chef is out on. Yes, on thank my you, Emily and I, who have never met or spoken, are yeah. on the same team. Yeah, same team. Well, I'd like to make a potato cake that's like really griddled on the tops and bottoms, and then very fluffy in the middle. Th- that doesn't sound good. No, that sounds delicious. And you can come to my house, or I will come to your house. Yeah, and, and we can eat them. Let's it make is potato so cake. This so is a thing. I I am allowed to be friends. <laughs> I am googling this right now, and this is totally a thing. Emily makes stuffing. She just reminded me of this. That is mostly potato based. And so that's basically uh, what I'm thinking of. But it is it, lumpy and filled with bread and, and Thanksgiving spices. I haven't eaten all day and you're making me really hungry. I'm so sorry. Okay, we're getting close to the end of the episode. Let's wrap it up because we also have to take okay. quiz. Yeah, um, we have to take the quiz. All right. So fancy dinner. They're not eating shrimp. They are not eating potato cakes. It's mashed potatoes and duck. It still looks very good. It's no lamb shank and bread. Uh, oh my every, god! Everybody starts today. Everybody starts going through their their list of who they think the mole is. Uh, Stephen uh, has the line: "What better mole than your friendly neighborhood grandma? Who are you talking about? Are you shading Kate? You sure? Yeah, trash. He totally is trash." Uh, Henry thinks maybe it's uh, Jennifer, but the the fact that she was reacting as big as she was reacting that she ran off, maybe she was just trying to like take off the heat uh, and attract some attention. Um, Jim thinks it could be Catherine because she's smart. I'd say right now Catherine is one of my number one suspects on the board as well. Um, Charlie and Stephen just both mutually like shower each other in praise <laughs> during this like the who's the suspect scene. Uh, it's like the meme of like no one, actually no one. Charlie and Stephen. I like Charlie and Stephen. <laughs> like, that is not the question on the board, folks. Not the question on the board. Um, oh, the cops like each other. What a oh, surprise! surprise. Sorry, not, sorry, not at all. Sorry, not I don't care. Century. Yeah, not that didn't century. age well. <laughs> no, cops supporting cops. Uh, they finished the quiz. And Anderson Cooper is like, let's just rip the Band-Aid off. You guys look terrible. <laughs> you all look like you're going to throw up. You all look like Jennifer on the helicopter. You all look like you need to land this thing. Let's just do it. Um, some volunteers to go first. I like that we're shaking it up. Henry volunteers. Jennifer, Stephen, they volunteer. All three of them are green. Catherine, 
Also green. Afi, red, red, red alert. So there it is. It's Afi. Afi's going home. I'm sad. I liked Afi. I thought she was great. It's a good cast. It yeah, is. It's great. I don't think I'd be sad to lose everybody. There's some people here who I would be okay to lose already. Who do you want to lose, Josh? Uh, I, I don't want to throw Steven under the bus after everything he's gone through already. <laughs> but he he's didn't not adding help. much. He just got yeah. put in an iron mask. I need to see more of him like bungling coded messages uh, to to people. I just need to see more. Need some more some more zhuzh from from Stephen. Nobody touched. Go back to the interesting aspect of the show that someone brought up last week. Of like, it doesn't matter who you like or yes. don't like, or who you're rooting for or not rooting for. It is purely your own skill or lack of knowledge or whatever it is that determines whether you stay or go. It's fair. So like, yes, it does absolutely 100% suck that the first two people who went home, and I will bring this up, are not, are people of color. Yep. Uh, a Mexican man and a black woman. But like, that's not actually anybody's fault. That's just what happened. It's the through, game design. Yeah, it's the game design. And I think to a far lesser degree than in Survivor or Big Brother or other games of this nature, far less does your personal identity come into play of how how this all shakes out. Like how like the results shake out. Because right. that can that can certainly factor into interpersonal dynamics, but yeah, that doesn't factor quite as hard into who gets cut or executed, it would seem. Yeah, I mean, there is there there is the aspect of who are you sharing information with? Who are you not? How do you relate to those people? How do you not? But we see Wendy and Afi, right, creating this friendly relationship. Um, and then Afi goes home because it doesn't matter that she has a relationship with Wendy. She did the worst on the quiz. Yeah. And that's not about personal demographics. That's just test results. Yeah. I do think my the I I wish that the quiz was better television. Um, I I like the fairness of the elimination mechanism. I don't love that. Like I don't really know what's going on with it. Later in future seasons, as someone reminded me, and as I've now witnessed in rewatching entire seasons of television in the last couple weeks. Um, they will read out each question as it's taken. And you'll oh, usually right. get some sort of comment from some random player of, well, in relation to, you know, this mission that we did, this person acted funny or whatever it is, or they'll give you a clip of, even if the question is like, who was like, in what position was this person sitting next to the host during this meal? You'll get a view of that so that you can, look at where everybody was sitting and make a choice about it, which is, you know, we're in season one, they're figuring out the structure of how they want to do this. And, and I agree with you, the more we're able to play along with the players, the more interesting and the more fun. I, it is. I also hope that we get to see a little bit more of like what we're hearing about of like, Charlie's shared some information with me. I shared some information with him. Like I understand like they need to keep us in the dark and like uphold the mystery element. But I want to, I, I do want to see I, I want to see people trading notes. I, I hope that that gets factored in more. Jess, am I going to be disappointed or like do people actually kind of like share a little bit about that as presented on television? 
I think there's a bit more of that. Probably not, not as much as you would yeah. like. Yeah, okay. All right. Any final thoughts on Afi, my friends? Um, I the thought... The future doctor. The future yes. doctor. <laughs> the once and future doctor. Well, <laughs> life is what well, happens to you while you're busy Grey's making other plans. Great. But yeah. she was a nurse on Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, so that's good. That's good. Number one, Anderstan just sent along uh, a recipe for mashed potato cakes, by the way. It's a real number thing. one, Anderstan, for those who don't I know. I wonder who that is. It's just the least. <laughs> this is exactly what I was thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. So I think maybe we have to do like a little tasty video of these. Yeah, I think a little griddled pancake action. All right. So homework. Watch Leonardo DiCaprio, two of them, in The Man in the Iron Mask, and eat mashed potato cakes. Yes. So before we close out, you guys ready to play the game? Oh, gosh. Oh, a game. Gotta play the game. Same game as last time or new game? Same game as last time because it's just a fun exercise and uh, I'm enjoying making up fake reality shows. Yeah. I've heard Um, from from another human that I've podcasted with in the last several days that you may be getting uh, a couple of uh, question suggestions from uh, a, a professional quiz master podcaster. Yes. In in fact, indeed, I want to give a shout out to AJ Mass, who submitted. Uh, he had an episode of his trivia podcast, Beat My Guest, where he had a bunch of these that he made up. So he gave me all his discards. Amazing. So we're using those. What and you also- don't know is that I am a patron of Beat My Guest. So the fix is in. I have I, not listened to much of anything. I was, I was about I'm to bad say, podcast yeah, consumer. I, I've been on Beat My Guest like three or four times at this point. Um, I was on the one time. Didn't go well for you. Uh, went poorly. I think I got four points. Yeah, well, you, you didn't. You didn't have the worst record because I very deliberately aimed for a lost number. Yes, I. I that's it's like a thing on that show. To the bit. It's no, true. everybody does it on that show, though. Yeah. Like that's a thing that people do. Yeah. Okay, so that's my influence, by the way. That's just rippling out. I, w- I would like. To it's true. Because like yes. you were the only one who watched Lost. I think the it was most me. popular show on television. It was, it, was, it, it was me and my uh, friends from college, and I'm pretty sure that was it. <laughs> Yeah, sure. I, I what this lost show is is this the is this the one where people got dropped in Mongolia and had to find their way home? No, no. That's okay, different, different. different lost. Okay, so here we go. The game goes like this. I'm going to read you the descriptions of four reality TV shows from the early 2000s. You are going to tell me which one of these is fake. Okay, Zed, we're teaming up again. Oh God, please! I think we're a squad. It's you and me versus the system. We're taking yep. on yes. the corruption here at the heart Very of much against the system. Yes. Yes. You're raging against the machine. Yes. And I am the machine. You are welcome right. to join me in yes. raging against the machine. Yes, That's what we're doing here. All right. So, first category this week. You thought you were doing one kind of show, but you were wrong. <laughs> okay, so this is Tool Academy. Kind of. Well, Tool Academy, the premise was, just to bring it back to Tool Academy from a few weeks ago, is all of the tools are brought onto the show thinking that they're like, you're on The Bachelor, you're going to get showered in ladies, and you're going to be the man, and then like the logo of whatever fake logo they've been convinced that they're on explodes, and it reveals Tool Academy, and the host goes, you're all tools, and we're going to straighten you out. (laughs) Yep. It's exactly so you you know this you know this premise. That's the genre. That's the genre. That's the genre. Okay. So option A was called The Family, and it aired in two thousand three on ABC. And George Hamilton hosts this show in which ten relatives move into a mansion and are waited on by household staff as they compete for a million dollar prize. 
The winner is selected by a very secret board of trustees. But in a shocking twist, the board of trustees turns out to be the very household staff serving them. Yeah, that sounds right. I, well, actually, yeah. that sounds like a dream. Which <laughs> yeah. All right, option B. He's a lady. This aired in 2004 on TBS and has aged extremely well. <laughs> Eleven men are selected to compete in what they think is a challenge called All-American Man. But oh. when they arrive, they're told they must learn how to act and dress like their wives and girlfriends to compete for prize money. Zed has literally shot across the room, uh, <laughs> cowering in horror yes. at the prospect of this show. Headphones yep. now being reinserted into their ears. Well, I had to leave. I had to leave. Yeah. I had to back away. I had to leave. Is that it gets so much worse? <laughs> All I heard was the title of the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Y- y- I feel like that might be real. I'm All right. sure it was. I'm a thousand, I don't need to hear a description. I'm sure it was real. Yeah. It. it continue we're in more enlightened times now thankfully okay not much a more bit. but a little bit there yes marginally all right option c cell shock aired in 2004 on the travel channel contestants believe they are competing on an amazing race style travel show but when they reach their first destination a tiny town in slovenia they're immediately arrested how will they cope when production's hands are tied they don't know what they've done wrong and absolutely none of the locals speak english um, that is an incredible concept that feels way too clever to be real. A hundred percent agree. Like that is something that came from like the genius mind of Jessica Lee or AJ Mass or both. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, I would watch that. Hold up. You haven't, you haven't heard option D yet. Okay. Yeah. All right. Option D for love or money. 2003 on NBC. A man dates 16 women, unaware that the woman he selects as the winner has the opportunity to reject him for a million dollars. What a dream! At yeah. the end of the show, when the winner rejected the man and took the money, she immediately began filming season two with 16 men, and the stakes were double or nothing. <laughs> I think that's real. I think Cell Shock is fake. What do you say, I th- Zed? I think Cell Shock is fake. Yeah, I think so. Also, I love the sound of that last show. I really hope that's a real thing that happened. Well, you are correct. Cell Shock is fake. Okay. Um, it was a joint effort between Paul Oselson and myself came up nice. with this concept. And, cool. you know, Travel Channel, call us. Yeah, we're, we're you here guys, for you. You know what's up. That was a very yep. clever idea. There was a show, I've been thinking about this a lot recently, that. It was like they locked people up and they had to figure out how to get out of the place that they were locked up in and then like escape uh, a like compound or something. Do you remember this? Prison Break. Is that what it was? Prison Break was a fictional show. Yeah. No, there was a reality prison to break his brother out of jail. No, no, no. So it was like an escape room, but a show. Yeah. Yeah. There were like three separate teams. It was like a pair of people and they would be locked up and they'd have to escape the thing they were locked up in. That sounds right. And I have not been able to stop thinking about this for the last several weeks. I have no recollection of what it was called, but it is wild. Someone someone summon Kurt Clark. He he will know the answer. (laughs) Correct. That's a Kurt Clark. Yeah. That's a Kurt Clark show. Ever I heard one. Yes. Yes. All right. So one final piece of trivia um, about For Love or Money. 
which maybe we'll have to do a rewatch of that when we run out of moles. Um, the winning contestant, uh, was, her name was Erin Brody, and she went on to marry Dr. Will Kirby of Big Brother fame. Oh, wow. So, you know, it was still possible to like springboard to some level of fame off of your reality TV appearance back in 2003. Are they still married? I believe so. Yeah, not bad. All right. So next, your next set of, of questions. This is a little bit less problematic. So I, I guess we've got that going for us. There are no, <laughs> there are no men in drag played for laughs in this oh, next set. So that is, that is good. That's progressive. All right. This category is called Before They Were Stars. So our first show, America's Most Talented Kids, aired in 2003 on NBC. Host Mario Lopez and head judge Lance Bass preside over a talent competition designed to find the most talented child in America. Among its contestants, this show featured an 11-year-old Taylor Lautner performing martial arts stunts, as well as eventual American Idol champ Jordan Sparks. Okay. That, okay. Sounds, like, that sounds like Taylor Lautner's origin story. The show sounds familiar. I don't remember watching it or anything about it, but that sounds right. It sounds like you springboard from that to Twilight to question mark? Sure. I, I, don't, I don't know what he's doing lately. Not a lot. He, he dated, a lot, a lot he of dated Taylor Swift. He was going to be in, he was going to star in Stretch Armstrong, the movie. It's true. That's <laughs> why was, why was that a movie? <laughs> because I it, don't it was, believe that. That's fake. It's not. Google it. Taylor Lautner, Stretch Armstrong. You will get results. Okay. I may have even written a few of those articles. This well, if you be. wrote them, how do I know you didn't make it up? Did Josh Wiggler believe that Taylor Lautner was there? That's the question. (laughs) Is perception reality? Yes. Yes. Okay. Question two. All right. Option, option B. I mean, wheel of hits 2002 on UPN described as name that tune meets American idol. This cast of wannabe rock stars were assigned classic songs from the titular wheel of hits and graded on their spontaneous performances. And eliminated in fourth place after he flubbed the lyrics to Earth, Wind, and Fire September was a pre Maroon 5 Adam Levine. Ah. Uh, what? You yeah. No, that's fake. How do you know that's fake? It feels too late, right? Yeah, no, he, he, Maroon 5 was already a thing because I went to a Maroon 5 concert in 2002. You don't need to read the rest. That's the fake. But I want to hear the other. Yeah, I do want to hear the rest, but I'm pretty sure that's the fake. Weird. Oh, yeah, okay. All I right, you're it, right. right. That one was yeah! fake. Yeah! <laughs> I thought I'd pick a band that was shitty enough that none yeah, of you guys yeah, would yeah, 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 yeah. I knew that concert was going to come in handy. We're white enough to have liked Maroon 5. I but you're not. cool enough that maybe you didn't. 2000s? No, I was there. 2002. Somewhere in like Farmingdale, Long Island. See, I thought that they, I thought they didn't peak until at least like 2004. Gotcha. This ah, is, this is why it. the the, the look at the, how old Josh was in 2006. I was I was in that yeah. audience with my black sleeveless fleece vest on. <laughs> oh, Josh, I hope someday I'm cool as watch. you. <laughs> All right, well, I'm, I'm late for a day job meeting. Dinner. So. Do you do you want the you want the two real yeah, ones or okay? Sure. All right, sure. all right. We had I want to work for Diddy 2008 VH1. <laughs> Contestants, including eventual Orange is the New Black star Laverne Cox, compete for a chance to become Diddy's personal assistant. Amazing. They are judged by a panel of high-level entertainment execs as they participate in various quote-unquote hustles or sales and marketing-based challenges. 
Okay. Sounds like a capitalist nightmare. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. But here's one of my favorite pieces of Before They Were Stars trivia, because this, I believe, I don't even think the whole series ended up making it to air, and it's kind of crazy. Although I watched some of the pieces that did, and I guess I understand why. But this show is called In Search of the Partridge Family. Aired on 2004 on VH1. I this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. I watched some of this. It's pretty bad. Aspiring actors I don't and musicians. remember it as an origin story for anyone, though. Oh, oh, this is great, though. Aspiring actors and musicians competed for a role on an upcoming reboot of The Partridge Family. Winning the role of Lori Partridge was a 15 year old singer by the name of Emily Stone, who would go on to become an Oscar winner. Oh, no way. Wow. She's not good. I mean, the other person she's up against is worse, but they are not good. She's much better in other things I've seen her in. Like, she picked up the series Drive, I think, like, maybe two years later. Yeah. And it was sort of like uh, one of those lost clones, but it was like they were on this cross-country road trip, and she was great in that. She has a great music number in uh, The Lonely Islands, pop star, Never Stop, Never Stopping, uh, in which I forget the name of her character, but she has like this hot single called Turn Up the Beef. Uh, <laughs> wow. And the, the refrain is, turn up the beef. Uh, <laughs> I forget the rest of it. Offhand. Wow. Emily's probably on the other side of the door singing the rest. That would be my guess. Yes. Okay. All right. Next up. Next steps for ex-survivors. So. <laughs> oh, no. All right. We have On the Case with Dr. Sean, aired in 2002 on TLC. Dr. Sean Kniff visits hospitals and research facilities around the country and beyond as he explores a day in the life of various medical specialists and investigates medical mysteries. I believe that would be that a thing. Likely. Yep. All right. We have Cannonball Run 2001, aired in 2001 on USA. Unlikely teams of three across the U.S. race across the USA in a competition inspired by the coast to coast racing challenge depicted in the 1981 film The Cannonball Run. Among the contestants, Jeff Varner and Sue Hawk, who raced as a team alongside Temptation Island's Kaya Wittenberg. That's real. I was a big Jeff Varner fan. I believe that is real. <laughs> was. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So option C, Combat Missions, aired in 2002 on USA, produced by Mark Burnett and hosted by Rudy Bosch. Combat missions pitted four teams of military and law enforcement professionals against yep. each other in physical, mental, and endurance challenges. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it was, I believe it was Army, Navy, something, and SWAT. And I think the SWAT guy won. Spoiler alert. Well, okay. I referenced, I referenced combat missions from time to time, and I wrote about it when I wrote uh, the Rudy Bosch obituary for The Hollywood Reporter. Oh. Okay, then. That's and option D. Extreme Dodgeball, 2004 on GSN. Survivor Australia's Jerry Manthe served as the sideline reporter for the first season of this complicated and fast-paced adaptation of the country. <laughs> oh, this is tough. So I, I think that it's one or four. It's either I, Dr. Sean or Jerry. I feel like Dr. Sean is more realistic. But the timing on that. So 2002, Survivor airs in 2000. It aired yeah, concurrently cool. with combat missions. Yeah. Mm. I would watch both of those shows. Yeah. Currently, now. I think the Dr. Sean one sounds real. I think Extreme Dodgeball is not, but I have a feeling we might get this one wrong. <sighs> do you want to, you make the call. The, no, the, I'm, I'm pretty torn. The, uh... 
you want to rock, paper, scissors, shoot for it? What? what? So you'll, you'll represent Dr. Sean. If you win, we're going Dr. Sean is fake. And if I win, Jerry is fake. We go rock, paper, scissors, shoot at the camera and we shoot on the shoot. Okay. Okay. You ready? Here we go. Just one. Just one. You ready? Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. So we're both scissors. Here we go. You ready? Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. All right. I'm paper. I cover rock. Jerry is the fake. Incorrect. It's uh, on the case of Dr. Sean. Uh, Zay, you should have stuck with scissors. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I thought Dr. Sean was more likely to be real than, than Dodgeball, to be honest. Yeah. But he was on um he was on one of those like entertainment tonight slash things. I think he was on extra around yeah, this time. That sounds right. I knew it was somewhere. Of course. Dr. Sean's 15 minutes lasted 90. Well, everybody that was in that first yes. season of Survivor was yes. A-list for a yeah. year. Yes. yes. But also Cannonball Run 2001, one of my favorites of this era. Yeah. I don't and, believe I will revisit it. Yeah. I, I don't think I, I don't think anything in that is going to be anything we want to see. In the drawer. All right. And finally, our final category this week is Fix It, Build It. So we have Catch It, Keep It from 2009 on the Science Channel. Engineers, special effects artists, construction workers, and other practical science-oriented folks team up to build a contraption that will protect a prize such as a grill or an electric guitar from being destroyed in a predetermined trap. If the prize survives, they win it. <laughs> what's, the, what's the show called? Catch It, Keep It. <laughs> okay. All right. We have Destroy, Build, Destroy, which aired in 2009 on the Cartoon Network. Andrew W.K. hosts this kids game show in which teams destroy a random object, build vehicles out of the parts, and then compete for a chance to destroy the other team's vehicle. I mean, that sounds very in the spirit of Andrew W.K. God, that's so stupid. It sounds so real. Yeah, yeah. And finally, uh, we have two more. Right. Okay. So Stack the Deck. 2007 on the Discovery Channel. Professional poker player and notorious poker brat Phil Helmuth hosts this card stacking competition in which teams of three have two hours to build a house of cards. Houses are tested by measuring height, durability, and an additional special challenge that changed every week. There's just no juice in that premise. That is a show that's good for four weeks, if that. Yeah, having seen that challenge on Survivor... They didn't even use cards on Survivor. It's a bad show to build. build Well, finally, we have NASCAR Angels, which aired in 2004. It was syndicated. Yeah, I'm sure. NASCAR champion Rusty Wallace hosts this show and guides the NASCAR Angels dream team as they visit fans who drive vehicles on their last legs and get the cars back into top shape. The twist, they only have three days to complete the challenge. I'm pretty stumped. I don't really know. I don't have any strong feeling anywhere, Zed. I don't believe in the card house building. Yeah, I would, I would, I would knock that down. Do you want to Michelle Fitzgerald kick that to the ground? Like, these all sound terrible. Yeah, I wouldn't watch a, a one of them. Maybe no. the one that's like uh, build a device to protect your prize could be fun for a couple of episodes. Um, yeah, w- read that. Read the description again because it was like something, something in other professionals. Like, oh yeah, the scientists. Well, in order to, I, I want to be clear that in order to make sure that the voice is consistent, all of these written descriptions are mine. Sure. 
the real sure. ones and the fake ones. So yeah. uh, we're not quibbling with, so uh, with the with the with the writing. And the writing yeah. is technically well, you're great and yeah. it's hilarious. And yeah. the two thousands yeah. were a nightmare that we all lived through. And, and now we're here really living through right. another nightmare. Okay, so this is catch it, keep it. 2009 on the Science Channel. Mm-hmm. Engineers, special effects artists, construction worker, workers, and other practical science-oriented folks team up to build a contraption. <laughs> special effects artists and other practical scientists. Other practical science-oriented <laughs> folks, right? Is, yeah. That's the phrase, opos. I mean, I mean, I have, I have a BFA. I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts. So who am I to disparage yeah. those of us who have gone into the more abstract arts mm-hmm. of of creating entertainment that you've all been and enjoying for the last four <laughs> months? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's a really funny description to me. That's that's all, all. right. So which one is fake? I'm I'm going to jump through the house of cards. I'm just going to destroy it's the it. house of cards. Yeah, I'm going okay. to cannonball through the yeah. house of cards. Yeah. You're correct. Yeah. And also, I want to say that Catch It, Keep It was probably my favorite reality show of the yeah, decade. Yeah, that's that, that sounds like it's probably pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, they and it was they had like I they had like a they'd have a team and it would be like three guys that don't know each other and one of them would be like a physicist and one of them would be a construction worker and one of them would be like a guy that builds robots that's and right. they'd have to team up to build the prize and then they had this other guy who his whole job was like building Rube Goldberg traps and so he would also (laughs) build one and they would see if his trap would also work and he'd say this is how I would solve the problem and then they show the guys solving their problem and then it was like okay now we're going to launch this barbecue grill through a catapult and you have to catch it and it was it was wonderful I'm still Facebook friends with the two hosts of the show wow you're so connected yeah well you know, people on reality shows accept everybody's friend requests. So I, have, <laughs> I, have, I have observed this to be mostly true. Uh, yes. If you want to so, be friends with reality stars, it's definitely doable. Yeah, it, it certainly is. I no, work shade, on that, I no shade. Uh, some of them are phenomenal humans without yes. any irony whatsoever. Many okay. who I would love to break potato cakes with. Indeed. So let's wrap this up, guys, because I'm 10 minutes late for a work call. All right. Yeah. Nice. Oh, amazing. Here we go. The the mole is disrupting lives already here on the Mole Patrol podcast. Jessica Lee, that was fantastic. Brooklyn Zed, tremendous job on your third podcast ever. Coming in hot uh, with the takes. And you now know what it's like to, to podcast with like the delirium terror of the world coursing through your veins. Yeah, I kind of did that last week, but I definitely did it even more this week. Like, what a what you're doing a, great! What you're a doing fantastic. The world is nightmare. You're doing fantastic, and you're providing people with lots of laughs and joy. So uh, hold your head up. You're doing really that's, great work here on the podcast. In addition to on the streets, I'm Josh Wigger. I like potato cakes and sleeveless black vests. And if you like those too, follow me on Twitter. I'm at Ron Howard. Jess is at Haymaker Hattie. Zed is at Hard Rock Hope. We are Mole Patrol. We will be back next week. Season one, episode three. Take care, everybody. Goodbye. Love you guys. Bye. Hey. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.